I have a couple of my precious girls that are in Shear and they're down in Fresno right now and I want to give them a shout out because they listen to these podcasts and I want to make sure they know just how much we love them and miss them but they are uh, they're in the state huh as far as their the cheer that they're in is like a state level a national level wow that's incredible these girls are amazing and they do uh, all three of them that are in it are in our high school cheer uh, here locally and they're amazing and they're doing an incredible job but that's where they're at on Sundays is when they have their cheer practice let's open up in prayer Heavenly Father we just thank you for the opportunity to be here Father in in this great day that you have made Father allow me to open the word and present the word in an understandable way so the people leave here today and have an under clear understanding of how much you love us father we ask you that in Jesus holy name we pray amen and like I said you know as as I'm preaching this message I'm in Hosea chapter 4 uh, you're welcome to move around if, if you're in the Sun and you want to get out of the Sun go ahead pick your chair up and move it in the shade it's perfectly perfectly okay but you know, before I just jump into Hosea chapter 4, there's a lot of you that haven't been with me over the past few weeks here from chapter 1, 2, and 3. So I want to kind of bring you up to speed so you understand where we're at. Hosea is at the end of the Old Testament. It's the first of the 12 last books of the Old Testament. They call them the minor prophets. It's not that they're minor because they're any less than any of the the big prophets, the major prophets, it's the fact that their books are shorter and they're more direct to the point. And there happens to be 12 of them in the last 12 books of the Old Testament. We're going to talk a little bit today about why we study the Old Testament. It's very important that we have a clear understanding as to why. We teach the New Testament all the time, but sometimes we need to go back so that we can understand who we are in Christ Jesus. And we do that by looking into the Old Testament. Hosea itself is a very, very interesting story. It's only one of its kind in the entirety of the Bible. It starts out in chapter 1 with God going to Hosea, his prophet, and says, Listen, Hosea, I want you to go to town and I want you to marry a prostitute. Understand, it would be like if... if Joe and I weren't together. She passed away, and, and God said, Now I want you to go down to Stockton and marry a prostitute. You would all think that I've lost my mind. Literally. He's old. He's crazy. He's supposed to be a man of God. You can only imagine what they were saying about Hosea when he went to town and he picked this prostitute. Her name was Gomer. I know that's kind of an interesting name. She came from Mayberry. Just to see for any of those who might know what that is. Her name was Gomer. And God loved her very, very much. But she was what she was. And so he took her and he married her as his own. We know reasonably for certain they had one child together. A little boy. But then she had two other children that the Bible leads us to believe that probably they weren't his 
that she was out messing around and finally after the third child she said enough is enough and she left him left him with all three kids and she went back to her lifestyle as a prostitute and she plainly said you know they're the ones who supply all that i have the gold and the silver and the the wine and the grapes and all the things that i need these these men were supplying for it was a very short period of time that god went back to jose and says now i want you to go back and get her she's your wife and you might ask why would god do this why would he why would he send someone tell his prophet of god i want you to go marry a prostitute it just doesn't to the god that i know it doesn't make a lot of sense but god was trying to make a point not only to the children of israel but to us that he loves us so much if you have ever been with an unfaithful spouse you would understand the pain and the suffering that hosea was going through himself and god considered the children of israel as gomer that we were leaving him and prostituting ourselves to other gods and worshiping other gods god's chosen people and god was trying to figure out a way i gotta show them i gotta show them how hurtful this is to me i love you so much that i gave you life and yet you want to go serve the gods of baal and they were enticed to do so because their their worship services were all full of of sexual innuendos and sexual acts that was happening right in their church it was unbelievable and god wanted hosea to show and he wanted hosea himself to understand the hurt i can only imagine what hosea was saying god why did you have me do this why did you have me marry this woman now i'm taking care of the three kids and she's off and finally in chapter three god said now hosea go out and get her and he had to go back into the community searching for his wife who is a known prostitute to the rest of the town here's hosea the pastor if you will of the community he's the prophet of god a holy man and he's going to the bars and the different places to try and looking for his wife and he would say hey have you seen my wife oh gomer oh i'm sorry i didn't know she was your wife man i was with her last night the pain that it had to have caused him and he finally finds her she was sold by some other men into slavery back in those times slavery was a very very brutal thing more than what we anticipate in our culture they had her tied to a rock naked in front of all the people as people would bid on her she was dirty she was alone and she honestly didn't believe that anybody would pay anything for her at this point Hosea walks into the crowd and he shouts out that's my wife and they shout back then if she is pay for her so he did he gave him 15 shekels of silver which the price was actually 30 but all he had was 15 and 15 barleys of uh, bales of barley food he had to give all that he had to buy her back and then the bible tells us that he told her listen i'm taking you home you're not going to see any other man i'm not going to see any other women you're going to be my wife 
and he took her home. The whole point of that story was God trying to get an impression on us of how much sin, when we sin, hurts God. After really studying this story of Hosea, and I think of my own thoughts of how much when I think the wrong things, how much I am hurting the heart of God. It breaks my heart. It causes me to say, God, forgive me, almost instantly, because I don't want to break God's heart. God is so merciful and so loving. So that's what the first chapter is about, 1, 2, and 3. Chapter 4 of Hosea, it changes a little bit. It moves away from Hosea's personal experience with Gomer, what he was going through, and he turns the conditions to, towards Israel. Now, I would like you, when I say Israel, to realize the church. He turns the table and looks at us and starts calling out our sin of what God is speaking through Hosea. And he is speaking now to the people, the children of Israel. And it's going to find out, it says in chapter 4, the people have no knowledge of God or his law. Therefore, they were unfaithful him and deceitful in their dealings with one another. Their wickedness is the reason for the drought they are about to suffer. Do you realize that bad things happen when God finally has enough? You know, when California goes into a drought, we think, oh, well, it's, it's, it's global warming. How about God being really disappointed in his people in California? A lot of things happen. But we need to understand chiefly the blame here for this nationwide corruption is with the priests. And for you to bring it to your understanding, it's with the pastors. The pastors aren't teaching the people correctly. And that's what was happening then. How could people turn their backs on a God that loves them and created them and brought them through the Red Sea? saved them from Egypt, and then a few hundred years later turned their backs completely on God. The priests, they have not taught God's word, his law to the people. Instead, they encourage the people to offer more sacrifices uh, because they, the priests, can profit. The priests were profiting, you know, their sacrifices in. They would bring a cow or a lamb or whatever they had they, to to bring it in to sacrifice it for atonement of their sins. And the priests are saying, hey, man, you got a lot of sin. I seen where you were at. I was there too. I know what you're doing. You need to bring more in. And these priests were profiting on the people. They would receive the meat of the sin offering, and they would welcome the people's sins. The priests are as bad or even worse than the people in general who are guilty of the same sins. They took an increase for their families, their flocks, their herds through the practice of Baal worship, carrying out sexual rites with the religious prostitutes. It's interesting, Israel at this time was very prosperous. God had blessed them incredibly. They had a lot of food, they had a lot of water, they had a lot of grain, that things were going really, really well for them. And it's interesting, when a country becomes prosperous, it quickly turns a hand to corruption. 
Please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying prosperity is a bad thing. But we are easily deceived when a nation will forget to honor God because of their prosperity. You can't tell me that America isn't a prosperous place and America's turning its back on God. Today's culture, I, I call it Christian light. Let me explain. Some churches have taken a view that the whole world God, the whole word of God is not important in its entirety. Some would say you don't need the Old Testament because it's the Old Covenant. We have the New Testament, which is the New Covenant. They're right, praise God, with God, so that we don't have to look back to the Old. That is so wrong. You know, just as, just, it's full hard times. That's what's in the Old Testament. It's full of hard times, death, an angry God, bloodshed. So let's look at the good stuff. That's what churches today are, are really, they're, because they're making the people, they're tickling their ears with all the wonderful good promises of God, but not talking about the true nature of man. And it's wrong. Let me try to explain in some easy terms. The Old Testament is the unveiling of the coming of Jesus Christ, and the New Testament is the revealing of Jesus Christ. Every word in this holy book are God's words for us to live by and to understand God and to have a relationship with him. That's why we study it. If you're going to come to this church, you're going to get the entirety of the word of God. We're not going to skip by the hard parts. We all love these, these scriptures like 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. He says, and that from childhood... You have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. Praise God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and the profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why we study the Old Testament. Romans 15, 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Well, I don't know, Pastor. I read the Old Testament. It just seems like God's mad. He's angry. He wants us to look at the culture. He wants us to look at the sinful nature of his people, which we are the same people. And we have the same sinful nature. He wants us to understand. So I gave a title to this message. It's really simple. I think you'll understand. No word, no walk. Do you guys get it? No word, there's no walk. You can't be walking with God without the word of God. You have to have the word of God in your life. And for some of you, and I'm not picking on you, the only word you may hear this week is what you hear coming out of my mouth today. So it better be good. It better be good. Something to catch your thinking to go, wow, I need to start studying the word of God on my own. I need to start looking at this and seeing it. We believe in the entirety of the Bible. There will be no Christian light here. Yes, we 
love to use the Bible to encourage us and to strengthen us and to motivate us. We all love those scriptures where God tells us of the good plans he has for us. Amen? We love those. Romans 8.28, I bet you a lot of you have this memorized. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. We know that scripture to those who are called according to his purpose. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Man, do we love to hear that. Wasn't that good? These are wonderful scriptures. So why don't we just focus on the wonderful scriptures, Pastor? Ones just like you read. It's easy to hear, and they make me feel good. And it makes me feel good that you're enjoying them. That would be a very big mistake. Do you realize people have been trying to change the Bible to fit their beliefs for hundreds and hundreds of years? They're always trying. There's one very famous person. Maybe you've never heard this story, but our very own Thomas Jefferson. He was known as an inventor, a major thinker, but this time he was tinkering with something that had held sacred by hundreds of millions of people, the Bible. The ex-president bent over his book using a razor and a scissors to carefully cut out scripture, small squares of text. Using his clippings, the aging third president created a whole New Testament of his own, one focused only on Jesus, but none of his miracle works. Jefferson, a believer in rational thought and self-determination, had long spoken out against such laws while keeping his own views on religion fiercely private. And I'm so glad that he did. In 1786, he wrote a Virginian law forbidding the state from compelling anyone to attend a certain church or persecuting them for their religious beliefs. I praise God for Thomas Jefferson, but he was nuts. He was out there cutting scripture out of the Bible because he didn't want, oh, that's too hard for people to hear that. We can't do that. So why do we need the entirety of the Bible? Because God is trying not only to show us who he is, but who we are as his creation. He made us completely free to choose him and to show us who we are and what we are capable without him. That's why we're going to look into chapter 4, Hosea, today. We need to know what we're capable of. Pastor, there's no way that we would sacrifice our babies to the altar of Baal. Really? What do we call abortion? Millions and millions of babies are being ended their lives because we call it something that sounds a whole lot better than sacrificial uh, burning them at the altar of Baal. We are capable as a nation of doing horrible things, and our nation is doing horrible things. So Hosea, chapter 4, he takes a little bit of a different turn now. He's not referring to... When you read verse, chapters 1, 2, and 3, you're going, is he talking about him and Gomer or God and Israel? And the answer was yes. Both. 
Well, now he is directly, you know, he's talking directly to Israel. Verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth and no mercy or knowledge of God in the land. That is a frightful thing. I'm glad that this pastor is not shouting there is no knowledge in the land. We know and study the entirety of the word of God. He said, verse 2, by swearing, by lying, by killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Wow. That almost sounds like the evening news with Lester Holt. You know, I mean, we see people killing one another every day, lying and cheating. Verse 3, therefore the land will mourn and every mourn, and everyone who dwells will waste away with the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Even the fish of the sea will be taken away. <laughs> this is more than just a drought. This is more than just a famine. God's taken it all away. Taking it all away. And I want you to understand something. Not every single Israelite in this time, in Hosea's time, not every single one was bad. There were Jewish people that were genuinely serving God and looking at the corruption that was right outside their doors, right outside their windows, and they were praying, saying, God, send us a leader. Help us to change. Our nation has turned against you. But you know what? Those people were suffering too. When our land goes into a severe depression, recession, whatever you want to call it, Guess what, folks? We're going to suffer too. But we have the loving hand of God who's promised to take care of us as Christians. That's why we attend a full Bible-believing church. Amen? Amen? Verse 4. Now let no man contend or rebuke another. For your people are like those who contend with the priest. Therefore you shall stumble in the day the prophet shall stumble with you in the night, and I will destroy your mother. Well, Pastor, that's kind of weird. What does he mean, destroy your mother? He was referring to the mother in this, and this is held by a lot of scholars, believe that the mother referred to Israel as a nation. Israel is the mothership to the entirety of the Jewish population. That's what he was referring to. Our nation, the mother of all of this, is going, I will destroy her. He said in verse 6, this is probably the most prominent verse in the whole chapter 4. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you from being priest to me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. That should make you shudder a little bit. Nobody wants God to forget your children. And yet maybe I've been living my life in such a way that God should turn his back on me and my children. It's important to understand the living word of God. Verse 7. The more they increased, 
the more they sinned against me. Boy, that's one for this nation. The more they, more that we increase in our wealth and our prosperity, the more we turn from God. Again, not everyone, but as a nation, as a whole, is what we're talking about. The second part of seven says, I will change their glory to shame. They eat up the sin of my people. They set their heart on their iniquity. People were really enjoying what they were doing. Verse 9, And it shall be like the people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. We can look at that and say that some people are going to be rewarded for their deeds because there were people in this culture that were serving God genuinely. God's saying, I'll take care of them. Don't you worry. But he is going to punish them for their ways, especially the priests. For they shall eat, but not have enough. They shall commit harlotry, but not increase. He wasn't going to allow them to have any more children. Praise God for that. Because they have ceased obeying the Lord. Verse 11, harlotry, wine, and new wine enslave the heart. Maybe you should put that one on a board and put it on your refrigerator. Ah, uh, what, Pastor? What? Harlotry, wine, and new wine enslave the heart. Understand that a lot of things we do, we don't realize the consequences for what we do. It enslaves the heart. My people ask counsel for their wooden idols and the, their staff informs them. For the spirit of holotry has caused them to stray, and they have played the harlot against God. Let me explain that briefly. In this culture, they worship these sticks that they carved out images on the end of the stick. Uh, some of them you don't want to know what they carved. It was just horrible stuff that they would carve on the ends of these sticks and they would worship these things and they said they were being led by these sticks. They offer sacrifices on the mountaintops and they burn incense on the hills under the oaks, the poplars, and the terebinths because of their, good, of their shade is good. Praise God, here we are. Therefore, your daughters will commit harlotry and your brides will commit adultery. Verse 14, I love this. He says, I will not punish your daughter, daughters when they commit harlotry, nor your brides when they commit adultery. For the men themselves go apart with harlots and offer sacrifices with a ritual harlot. Therefore, people who do not understand will be trampled. Those of you who were here last week, Remember when I made the mention that I believe that Gomer, this precious prostitute, was probably sexually trafficked as a child. That's what this culture was doing with their daughters, is sexually trafficking them. And they would become prostitutes. They'd do nothing else. And God is saying right here, I'm not holding them responsible. I'm holding you men. You men that are going into these harlots. You men that are going there and doing what you're doing especially you priests. 
I wouldn't want to be a priest standing in this day. Verse 15, though you, Israel, play the harlot, let not Judah offend. Do not come up to Gilgal, nor go up to Beth-Haven, nor swear an oath, saying, as the Lord lives. Okay, what he's saying is Judah hasn't turned. Right now, Israel's divided into two major tribes, the tribe of Israel and the tribe of Judah. There's been division in the land, and there had been for quite a few years. Judah was sinning too, but they hadn't gone quite off the charts like Israel. So he's telling them, don't even go over there. Don't even take your sins over there. Don't bother them. He said in verse 16, For Israel is stubborn like a stubborn calf. Now the Lord will let him forage like a lamb in the open country. Sometimes you got to really pay attention to what they're saying. How long do you think a lamb would survive in the open country? Not long. He'll get ate by whatever's out there roaming. Everything's got to eat. And a little lamb, not without a shepherd, out there foraging in the open country, is going to get taken down and is going to be destroyed. That's what he was referring to. He's referring to that you go out there on your own, you go ahead and start running around to the bars and, and going with the harlots and doing your thing, you're going to be taken down. You're going to be eaten by wolves. He said in 17, Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. Their drink is rebellion. They commit harlotry continually. Her rulers dearly love dishonor. So he's referring back to Israel again of all that they are dishonoring to God. The wind has wrapped her up in its wings, and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices. People know what's going on. People know what's happening in America today. And if it doesn't bother you, you, you need to get right with God. You need to be concerned that certain things do bother us that we need to make sure that we understand we're not sinning against idols, sinning against God. Ephraim is joined to the idols. The tribe of Ephraim was the largest tribe in Israel. Therefore, the prophets often referred to Israel as Ephraim. Ephraim joined to idols, let him alone, is what God was saying. There's one way to explain express the judgment that is coming against Israel, God will simply leave Ephraim alone. We don't want to be left alone. If God were to say that about our great country, that I am going to leave America alone, we should be very, very concerned. That's why the church has to pray. We have to pray continually that God will send us a leader to our country. That's the one way to express God's wrath against us, to continue on in sin. When mighty Asian army can't, comes against them, and it will, they may fight for themselves, and God will leave them alone, and they will be destroyed. We don't want God to leave us alone because we need him to protect us against our spiritual enemies. 
Satan wanted to sift Peter like wheat. Do you remember that? Jesus said, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but Jesus did not leave Peter alone to face the attack. Jesus prayed for Peter, and he emerged victoriously. You can see that in Luke 22. We don't want God to leave us alone because we need him to protect us against ourselves. Left to ourselves, our own sinful hearts, we will surely drift away from God. All God must do to make certain is a man to go to hell is to simply leave him alone. Do you realize that God is in hot pursuit of every single one of you? He is in hot pursuit. He loves you and wants you. And you're here today for a specific reason that God wants you to hear this word today. In many ways today, people think that they're seeking God when they really aren't. It's just a superficial investigation. For example, a man might say, well, I grew up in a Baptist church, but I didn't find God there. So I went to the Methodist church and I couldn't find God there. Hmm, interesting. So then I went over to the Pentecostal church and I found more of God there than I was ready for. You imagine that you search hard after God, but it was all an illusion. The truth may be that you're really running away from God. When he started to get too close, even way back at the Baptist church, you left it and became a Methodist. When he started to get too close to you at the Methodist church, you became a Pentecostal. You followed the same pattern, a superficial search for God that backs away whenever you really start getting close to God. I would willing to bet that that person at each one of those churches, when he finally heard something that was challenging, he said, oh, I, I, I can't do this. They're going to study the Old Testament. No, 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 no. No, I, I, I don't want to hear about the wrath of God. I don't want to hear about what my nature is capable of. You get close to God when you hear the word. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing. It comes by hearing. So sometimes when you're reading the word of God, you need to read it out loud. Allow your ears to hear it. Allow yours to hear what you're reading. Faith comes by hearing the living word of God. And that's why we come to church. That's why we as a church, we're not going to have any Christian light. You're going to get the truth straight up from the living word of God. And that's what we need. That's truly what we need. We can't do it any other way. Too many churches today have turned to Christian light. Let's make everybody feel good. Let's feed them a hot dog or a hamburger. Praise God, I'm looking forward to that. But just have everybody leaving feeling good. Well, I would rather have you leaving questioning yourself. Have I turned my back on God? Do I have a sinful nature that I need to really repent of? 
I know you guys are holy, okay? You're much holier than me. But if you're riding around in a car with me once in a while, you'll see me lose it. Just ask my wife. Some crazy driver makes me angry. And I tend to lose my Christianity really fast, but praise God, the Holy Spirit is quick to correct me and quick to show me my, the error of my ways. And that's what we need. And how would we know that if we didn't have the living Word of God inside of us? Amen? So Tony and the team is going to play for us a little bit. You guys can sing a little bit more if you like. How close are you to ready to be ready there, Andy? Anytime. Anytime? Okay, so we can get up and start enjoying food. But I want you to know that I will be here for, to pray with you if you need prayer. If anything I've said at all concerns you, please don't walk away feeling bad. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. I would like to know why you're feeling bad about what you may have just heard. God loves you. And we see that through Hosea and Gomer. What, what an incredible story. That God loves us that much. Even when we sin against him, he's ready and quickly ready to take us back. He loves us that much. That's incredible. That's an incredible love. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to deliver this word today out in the park. Father, we give you praise in your glory, and I pray that it enters the heart of each and every person, and that, that it does convict us to pay more attention to what we watch on TV, what we're paying attention to on the computer, uh, the things that we read, the things that we see. Father, help us to correctly judge those things and get out of our house whatever needs to be gotten out. Father, we pray these things. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.